I am Dr. Barbara Kiel, and some clients of mine prefer to call me Dr. Bibi. And to be honest, I quite like it. Welcome to my podcast. To be honest, a podcast that is born out of mental health efficacy. I believe in the power of intention, and my intention for this podcast is to educate whoever wishes to listen, and to make a paradigm shift in how we perceive mental illness. I also believe mental health education is key, and that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is to invest. In your own mental health. Let's face it, we all need to learn how our minds work, and have the skills to deal with life's ups and downs. And more importantly, let us strengthen our ability to better connect with and support each other. Strong, empathetic. Nurturing and caring relationships have the power to prevent everyday challenges from becoming more concerning issues like mental illness. The responsibility to renew focus on your own mental well-being begins now. Let us set the energy of this episode together. You may wish to put your hand on your heart. And close your eyes, unless you're driving or operating some kind of heavy machinery. So take a deep breath in, and as you exhale, let your thoughts go. Let any tension in your body go. Let your worries go, and let your past go. Now take a moment to plug into the greater energy of the universe. Feel your heart, and imagine us all connected in a unified field of divine white light. And know that you are safe. All is well, and so it is. So take another deep breath in. And exhale out loud with a sigh. And when you are ready, slowly open your eyes. Hello, everyone. Welcome to To Be Honest. In today's episode, I would like to explore with you some essential virtues that you may wish to pursue or cultivate in order to love healthy. So, what is the definition of virtue? Well, virtues are character traits that demonstrate a person's moral excellence. Actually, the term virtue first entered the English language in the 13th century. It was coined many centuries earlier in ancient Rome, where it was used to describe the admirable qualities of men. Now, these included not only their moral conduct but also their strength and physical features. 
Well, in fact, the root of the word virtue is vir, V-I-R, which is the ancient Roman word for men. So over the centuries, the meaning of virtue has evolved, but the basic concept has remained the same. At this time, my audience, let me ask you this question. Do you know what shape your character? And if you are not sure, let me help you. It is what you consistently do. Yes, that means your habits. Now, different schools of thought have different ideas of what it means to have virtue. Religions like Christianity, Judaism, and Islam teach that a virtuous person must obey the word of God. Philosophy teaches that having virtue means acting in a way that is beneficial to oneself as well as others. The point is, whether religious or secular, all definitions of virtue agree that a virtuous person has a good moral character and the ability to tell the difference between right and wrong. And sometimes we refer that as someone with a moral compass. Now, virtues are developed through repetition. So by practicing virtuousness in everyday life, you can gradually turn your virtues into habits and build a strong character in the process. In other words, it is also accurate to say that virtues are the essence of our character, and character does indeed determine destiny. So the more we recognize the potential impact that practicing virtues can have on our lives, the more our lives open up to new possibilities and to greater joy and fulfillment, including healthy love and relationships. Now, I don't know if any listener has seen the 1995 movie The Seven Deadly Sins, a film about two homicide detectives' desperate hunt for a serial killer who justifies his crimes as absolution for the world's ignorance of the seven deadly sins. Now, if you have not read the Bible, you definitely will be ignorant about the seven deadly sins. Now, don't you worry, I have no intention to talk religion in this episode. However, I do want to share with you the corresponding virtues of those seven deadly sins. Actually, they are first introduced by Aurelius Prudentius Clemens, a Roman Christian poet. So first, of course, you need to know uh, what are the seven deadly sins. And they are greed, lust, sloth, meaning laziness, pride, envy, wrath, meaning extreme anger, and gluttony. Gluttony means overconsumption or binge eating or overeating. So according to the Roman poet Prudentius, the first virtue, charity, opposes greed Chastity opposes lust. Well, if you don't already know, that's why Catholic priests practice celibacy. Diligence opposes sloth. Humility opposes pride. Kindness opposes envy. Patience opposes wrath. And temperance opposes gluttony. And let me repeat, they are charity chastity, diligence, humility, kindness, patience, and temperance. 
So out of these seven heavenly virtues that are taught by Christianity, I am going to choose kindness as one of the essential virtues that I'm going to explore with you in the next 10 minutes or so. Now, you may ask, why do I choose kindness out of the seven? What about the other six? I'm not saying they are not important virtues to pursue. I choose kindness because under its umbrella, kindness shelters a variety of highly valued and easily recognizable traits. And obviously, I consider them essential virtues to practice in our daily life. So some of these virtues that come under the umbrella of kindness are empathy, generosity, unselfishness, tolerance, acceptance, and compassion. Now, my audience, please take note. I'm implying in all of these virtues is the conviction that the quality of our relationships with other people is the primary determinant of our own happiness. And to be honest, beyond that is the belief that in our efforts to live successful lives, we cannot do so at the expense of others. We simply will not allow ourselves to do so. Why? Because we practice moral virtues in our daily life and therefore is embedded in our character. Imagine this. To be in the presence of another person who accepts us as we are, gives us the benefits of the doubt, cares what we think, and assumes we will act generously is an immensely gratifying experience. Wouldn't you agree? No doubt we are drawn to such people, both because they are unusual and because they encourage us toward similar behavior. Now, my audience, let me remind you, giving and receiving are the two sides of the same coin. Therefore, true kindness blurs the line between the two, giving and receiving. It is the opposite of the contractual view of relationships in which we trade favors and keep score to ensure that we give no more than we receive. Now, the latter construction, unfortunately, describes most marriages. So typically, the division of responsibility in such relationships is carefully negotiated so neither partner feels taken advantage of. To be honest, I have been asked the following question quite often. Dr. Beebe, if kindness begets love, why is this virtue not more prevalent? Well, my simplest answer is that we do not value kindness sufficiently as a culture. We are from an early age taught the importance of material success and encouraged to compete to achieve it at all costs. Moreover, the multi-billion dollar advertising industry bombards us and still does with images that encourage dissatisfaction with what we have and how we look and perpetuates fantasies that we can purchase some better version of ourselves. Implied in this view of the world is that we must win a series of competitions involving academic success, occupational achievement, and status-enhancing relationships. 
Now, in each of these areas, we are expected to compete as if we can succeed only at the expense of others. Is it any wonder then that our lives are guided by self-interest and a fear of failure? And that is not all. Our attitudes toward relating to others are also shaped by similar notions, which is why our mating dances are so complex and filled with mistrust. Now, my audience, I want you to picture the alternative way. If you are in the presence of a person who is disposed to kindness, you will definitely notice an absence of guile, an ability to listen, and a disinclination to compete. Now, could you imagine if you can reciprocate, you will experience a growing feeling of safety and trust. You may even find yourself disclosing things about yourself that you have previously been at pains to conceal. Fears and vulnerabilities. The need for self-protection drops away, as does the requirement to appear to be something other than you are. You experience paradoxically a growing satisfaction with yourself, combined with a desire to become a better person. You feel that a great burden has been lifted from you. You are, at last, good enough. Could you imagine that? In fact, the image of yourself that you see reflected in your loved one's eyes may be nearly perfect. You would like this moment to last forever, wouldn't you? I know I would. The next essential virtue I'd like to bring up is courage. Of course, there are many ways to be brave. The easiest to recognize is a willingness to take physical risks that most people would not consider, unless someone is a police or a fireman. But even then, is it wise for us to assume that all firemen and policemen are courageous? Well, I think the recent school shooting in Uvalde, Texas, USA. The police who were at the scene on that day—they have proven our assumption is incorrect. I believe the essence of courage is overcoming fear. This reminded me of、uh, what Gordon Livingston, M.D., an American psychiatrist, once said, and I paraphrase. He said that we appear to be so in need of heroes these days that anyone who puts on a uniform or performs competently is given hero status. He also said that gone is the concept of choosing to assume a risk on behalf of another. And he went on to say, if a pilot of a crippled airliner who is able to bring the aircraft down safely. The pilot has done his job with exceptional skill. However, Livingston doesn't think that the pilot has a choice, which is true. So, in his definition, the pilot is not heroic because he argues that someone who accepts the risks of military service or being a pilot or firefighting and survives is lucky, but may or may not have performed heroically. As far as Livingston is concerned. One has to choose to be courageous. He also thinks that we tend to become confused 
by the adulation we have on those who entertain us. For instance, the accomplishments of athletes are highly rewarded by millions of dollars we pay them, and we are prone in our celebrity worship. Just look at Hollywood, right? To confuse actors with the characters that they play in the movie. To be honest, we know that in the more prosaic world of daily life, we are seldom required or given the opportunity to be physically heroic, isn't it? But today, I would like to focus on、uh, moral courage, such as people who stand up for a deeply held, often unpopular principle at significant cost to themselves. We have those who resign their jobs rather than compromise their ethics. Those who refuse to remain silent in the face of injustice. Those who act to protect the powerless or the marginalized. Again, the element of risk and sacrifice is what distinguishes this sort of courage from simple altruism. Now, my audience, don't get me wrong. Altruism is also a great virtue to pursue. However, it seems a lot of us have been confused by the two, and therefore I see the need to clarify. Altruism is not the same as courage. Now, a closely related trait is resiliency. It is the ability to sustain the inevitable blows that life deals each of us, and Respond with a determination not to be defeated is one of the highest forms of courage. Now I'm sure you all agree with me that we have our breaking points, each one of us. The moment when we surrender even our self-respect to the pressures of fear or the random fate that threatens to crush us, those who can hang on to the longest earn our respect. Now, another aspect of courage is a capacity for commitment. This ability to persist is in contrast to the more common tendency to give up when faced with fear or discomfort or lack of immediate success. I find that when one is trying to assess the presence or absence of courage. Especially in、uh, the younger generation,、uh, their record of commitment to some person or activity can be a useful indication. Well,、uh, the opposite, of course, is the chronic boredom that is such a common adolescent characteristic. With the arrival of television, computers, and high-stimulus electronic games, the internet, the social media, so on and so forth. It appears that our inability to entertain ourselves without the support of modern technology has definitely increased significantly. There is a distinct difference between what we learn from reading a book and the lessons taught by viewing or posting on TikTok. Of course, it is a challenge to know early in life when we feel like we will live forever who is courageous and who is not. Nevertheless, courage and resilience are such important attributes, especially compared to the posturing of those who have never been tested, that they are worth looking for in people, particularly with whom we hope to spend the rest of our lives. 
All right, my audience,、uh, let me sum up some of the essential virtues, and they are. Kindness, and under the umbrella of kindness, are the traits of empathy, generosity, unselfishness, tolerance, acceptance, and compassion. And I also touched on、uh, the virtue of courage, capacity to commit, and resilience. I will have to cover the rest of the essential virtues next week. So thank you for listening. Our time together has come、uh, to an end. Meanwhile, stay safe, learn heaps, and find the courage to pursue all the mentioned virtues. Bye for now. Find this podcast. To be honest, on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and my website, www. drbarbarakiao. com. D R B A R B A R A K I A O. com. <laughs>